This is the Horse Radio Network. If you know, you know. There's something about loving horses that makes all of us just a little bit crazy. This week, we're talking to New York Times journalist and author Sarah Maslin Neer about her new book, How Girthing Affects Breathing, and the new Tokyo 2021 schedule. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy happy hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 71 of Heels Down Happy Hour. How are you? I'm just guys? trying something new, guys. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Goodness. Finally getting back into show schedule and you know, somewhat of a new normal, and it's totally different, but we're hanging in there. How are you guys? I mean, Jess, you guys are Sweating. like rock you rocking it though at the horse shows. Oh, they were they've been so good. They have they've been really good, so guys- we can't complain. Are you guys getting mask tans? Well, I wouldn't get a mask tan with my big hats and everything that I have to wear. Oh, okay. Because, so thankfully yeah. that covers them. But honestly, the best is, you know, we wear the gator looking things that like yeah. fishermen wear. And it's yeah. really easy because then it keeps the sun off your face and the back of your neck. So it's actually like helping us out a little bit. Those are nice. I like those too. And they're super light and super easy. So that's what we, we probably have way too many of them, but they get kind of gross. So we res and we lose them and blah, blah, blah. So we, we make sure we have an endless supply. Actually, you know, my trainer, she's big into those too. And she brings like 10 of them to the horse show and she'll put them in the cooler, like in the Yeti. And when you come out of the ring, she gives them to you to put over your neck and like as because it'll cool you oh, off too. Oh, our kid so. did that. He put it in the freezer, and I was like yeah. really impressed. I was like, "Wow, that was smart thinking," because I never thought to do that. So mask hack right there. Yeah, right there. All right. This episode is brought to you by EIS. We love EIS on the show. And speaking of masks, if you're in the market for a mask, EIS is making their own stars and stripes. Mask available now at eis-wear.com. So I have a fun little drink this week. It's a spiked strawberry limeade. And I think that sounds great for like summertime. And it's a little bit like fun to bring out some fun. And it's really easy. It's three ounces of vodka, six strawberries sliced up, two ounces of rhubarb simple syrup, six ounces of lemonade, ice, Mint sprigs, two of those, and two lemon wedges. Ooh, this sounds awesome. Yeah, Yeah, so it's more like a, not a limeade, it's more of a lemonade type thing, but basically you just add the vodka, strawberry, simple syrup, and lemonade into a shaker, add it to ice, and then just kind of garnish with the mint and lemon. Easy. I like easy, too. Easy. And you could do it over ice. I think it'd be really good frozen. You can do it so many different ways. Oh, yeah, you can make, like, a slushy out of it. Yeah, like, like a frozen sh- slushy. That's what I was thinking. Nice. Yeah. And then I've got some kind of crazy news. Hopefully, you know, with 2020 kind of 
hopefully like starting to slow down the craziness. They have finally announced that they have made new dates for the Tokyo Olympics. The IOC had a session mid-July and with the Tokyo Organizing Committee. And then they basically made dates to kind of like mirror what was going to be. So now it's going to be instead of it was mid, um, mid-July to first of August, they're going to kind of mirror the same thing. So the new dates are now Saturday, July 24th to Saturday, August 7th, 2021. So they've like done minor modifications in the starting times and kind of dealing with that, but they're going to try to keep it a bit the same as it was sort of published before. So fingers crossed they can get everything together and this crazy time kind of wraps up and we're able to do the Olympics. Wow. I mean, it makes me feel better, like, knowing there's a schedule. Maybe that's my yeah. type A personality, like, just knowing that it's on paper somewhere. That makes me 100%. feel better. 100%. No, absolutely. Did they mention what they were, like, if they were going to have to do any social distancing or anything? I'm just I think curious. that's so far. I don't know if we're I mean, thinking like, a year about, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're. it's a month from, like, right now. So, I mean, a month, a year, a year from right now. So basically, it's only a month away. It's a month away. We don't need to social distance in a month. <laughs> no, we will still be social distancing next month. But in a year, I think they're not even going to talk about those guidelines and everything till you know we're getting yeah. closer yeah. and finding out about all the specifics about stuff. So it's kind of crazy. But Ellie, what do you have? Okay, so I have some sciency news, which made me feel like Justine, but it's not super sciency. <laughs> so do you guys know the Suffolk Punch breed? It's an English breed. Yeah. It's a big drag yeah. horse. Okay. So you guys know that I love a big, meaty, sexy horse. So I'm super excited about this because, so in 2018, the breed itself like was projected to be completely extinct by 2027. Um, oh, because they're just not getting a lot of mares on the ground in their breeding programs. So I think mares right now, there are less than 72 in the UK and there's fewer than 300, like in the entire world. So they used sex sorting sperm technology. So basically choosing, you know, whether the X or the Y sperm cell fertilizes the egg, but they were able to do that. And their first filly was born. So... That is super exciting because it, it's great news, not only for this specific breed, but just all rare breeds because now they can kind of pick and choose, you know, how we can continue the breeding programs. Wow. That is really interesting. The animal advocate in me too is excited about it because it means, you know, I mean, I don't know what their slaughterhouse situation is in the UK, but you know, now we're not going to have as many unwanted horses, right? Because you know, breeders who are getting, you know, colt after colt after colt and just gelding them because they don't want to breed them for whatever reason. Right now, you know, they're not going to go to waste, I guess is a weird way to put it. Sure. I mean, that just lessens the chance of them, you know, ending up in a sad, you know, like a bad situation. No, that's really cool. Yeah. That is a good science story. What about you, Justine? Do you, do you have science to top my science? No, you are the science lady today. But I do have a fun story. So the Washington Post profiled some kids, some teens who participate in the extreme Mustang makeover. So it's, you know, I was like super excited when I saw this story and they did a really nice job. Uh, You know, sometimes 
mainstream news sources when they try to like jump into horses it reads a little funny but they did a really nice job profiling these kids who you know months ago were assigned a wild horse uh to train it with you know the intention to compete it at the extreme mustang makeover and some of these some of these kids are pretty young they're like 14 like there's a youth division where they're they're like just young teenagers i was really surprised to hear that and, you know, they show off what their horse can do after so many weeks, months uh, working with it since it basically it became, you know, they were once property of the Bureau of Land Management. Now they're going to compete at this horse show. And the goal is to then auction them off so that they find forever homes. It's a wonderful program. But coronavirus obviously kind of put a halt on that. And people can't necessarily uh, part- gather and participate like they would in normal years. So the horse show isn't happening in person, but uh, the story really focuses on the kids and their horses and what they're doing to kind of get around the fact that they can't travel for the Mustang makeover this year. And I don't want to give it away. I want you guys to read the story because it's really nice. And we will obviously include the link in, in our show notes so you can read it. But there's one kid who I just, I, it's so cute. His name is Hudson Dunlap. And his horse's name is Boone. And he's just like the cutest little cowboy kid with his Mustang. And I just love this. It's a wonderful story about these kids and connecting with horses and how important the process is to them and how they are still determined, even though coronavirus might have rescheduled the Mustang makeover horse show. So definitely, it's definitely worth reading. That's awesome. So just a big shout out to everybody who's donated to our podcast on Patreon. We really appreciate you guys supporting us and helping us continue to do the podcast. If you are interested in helping us out, go to patreon.com slash heelsdown. So, Justine, I heard that you got a new fly sheet to try. I Tell me did. About it. I did. So, it's the new Smart Mesh Ultimate Fly Sheet by Smart Pack. Obviously, you guys know by now that we are a big fan of Smart Pack products. In I have like a love-hate relationship with fly sheets in general. I don't know how you feel about them, Ellie. And maybe it's because, you know, where I live, I just, I have a hard time putting a sheet on my horse in the summer when it's already so stifling hot and humid here, you know? But when I don't, that means he comes in covered in welts from bug bites and, and then he wants to itch himself all day long. And it's like a chronic management, like of trying to take care of his skin through the summer. So I I gave the Smart Mesh Ultimate Fly Sheet a try because Smart Pack bills it as a really lightweight, breathable, fine mesh. So I know that he, he's going to get a lot more airflow in it because some of them can be kind of heavy, right? And Smart Pack was right. I was really surprised at how light it was. And I always find Smart Pack's blankets, sheets, everything for the horses fit really well. Like they're very true to size. So I ordered it, completely covers his whole body. It has a nice neck attachment. Um, I really like the belly band, which is wide and thick. Like it's just, it covers his whole underbelly, which can be hard to find. And uh, the best thing about this fly sheet is that Smart Pack covers it through a three-year durability guarantee because my horse is an idiot in a pasture with his buddies and he destroys everything. Nothing lasts. So, and I, you know, I've had it probably for a little bit more than a month and it's still alive. So that's a good sign. But, you know, since my horse is a non-sweater, what's really important is that 
he, it is getting airflow. It is breathable. And I, you know, he sweats under it, but he's not panting under it. He doesn't seem hot. I could tell that he gets a nice breeze through that fine mesh, but everything feels really durable. You know, all the straps, all the buckles, plus it offers 40% UV protection, which is always great here in Florida. And yeah, he doesn't really, you know, like I turn him out in it. He doesn't, he doesn't even seem to realize he's wearing one. Like he just goes right about his day. He doesn't get any rubs on his chest or his shoulders. So it's a, it's a great, it's a great fly sheet for the price. And personally, I really love the color, you know, like I'm not really like someone who wants like a outlandish, like fun colors. I want something pretty classic and my horse is chestnut and they make it in this nice, like checkered pattern. So it's just white with checkered hunter green. And I think it looks really nice on him. So, so if you want to check out the fly sheet for yourself, again, it's called the smart mesh ultimate fly sheet. It's for sale at SmartPack, and their website is smartpackequine.com. All right, everyone, I'm really excited to introduce our next guest. Sarah Maslin-Near is a journalist with the New York Times, and she's an amateur hunter-jumper rider. She's publishing her first book on August 4th titled Horse Crazy, which explores her lifelong relationship with horses and shares the stories of some extraordinary horsemen and women from all over the world. Sarah lives in New York City and keeps her competition horse in New Jersey. You may have seen her byline in the Times on coverage related to Jimmy Williams and the George Morris Safe Sport ban, which she broke for the New York Times. She's also a finalist for the 2016 Pulitzer Prize for her investigative reporting on the nail salon industry. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. So I just want to say I, I read your book, Horse Crazy, and I loved it. Uh, it was... Ooh, yeah, it was so relatable to me on on multiple accounts as um, as a newspaper journalist as well, and then also being horse crazy myself. And I wanted to talk to you about that, like how you marry the two. So you're a career journalist, but this is your first time writing a book. But before Jimmy Williams and then the story you, you broke about George Morris, it's not like you covered horses, right? So what made you want to write a book about horses? It's interesting. I actually, and I appreciate the question because I struggled with it. Horse sport and uh, especially the hunter jumper world is seen as elite and out of touch. And in a lot of ways it is, you know, it's an incredibly indulgent sport, especially in America where there's a high barrier of entry. And I was always worried that if I outed myself as in love with ponies and as participating in this elite thing, I wouldn't be taken seriously as a journalist. And I cover some very challenging, hard-hitting things. And I kept it a secret, kind of. My passion for horses was my private thing that I, I didn't tell anybody about, even though every morning before work I was sneaking off to ride at 6 a.m. and then showing up in New York Times headquarters kind of smelling of hay and people wondering why. But then I spoke to a friend, and he said, passion translates, Sarah. If you're passionate about something that's what people will hear and they'll respond. And I, I shouldn't hide my passion, whatever it is. And that sort of inspired me to write the book to come out as a horse crazy. <laughs> I love that. So speaking of like, you know, being in New York and growing up in New York, uh, how were you able to like deal with a busy life? Cause to keep horses in Jersey and stuff like we talked about, it's an hour from the city and that doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, living in Jersey, I know it's hard for so many people to get out there. How are you able to like kind of fit horses into that kind of crazy life? 
Well, I'm born and raised in New York City, and I actually found horses wherever I could in this city at growing up. And there are actually quite a few. I'm on the board of a therapeutic riding organization called Gallup NYC, actually teaches 500 riding lessons a week oh, wow. in the confines of New York City, in Bronx, in Queens, in Brooklyn, to disabled uh, children, adults, and veterans. So there are pockets of horses here. Growing up on West 89th Street was this magical wonderland that I write about in the book called Claremont Stables. Believe it or not, it was a vertical barn, essentially in like a parking garage, and the horses lived upstairs. And when you came for your lesson, I remember as a little girl, I would sit at the base of the stairs and they would call up for the horse you wanted over a radio, a speaker, and they'd say, Birch Bark, because that's who I always rode, Birch Bark. (laughs) And Birch Park would come trotting down from the ceiling <laughs> to your waiting grasp. It was an uncanny thing. Unfortunately, it closed, but it was a huge part of my equestrian life in New York City. So when you um, you now ride, you go to Jersey, You do you do <laughs> what in the Hunter Jumpers do you do? And what are your kind of competition goals? Sure. I'm an amateur owner hunter, and that is also my goal because COVID <laughs> and not riding has <laughs> set me way back. So right now I'm a a low adult rock star (laughs) back where I was a couple years ago. But, you know, riding is so compelling. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you guys about this. I'm preaching to the converted. It's compelling because it's impossible. It's endlessly working towards perfection and perfection is unattainable. It's a very humbling sport. Absolutely. And you can be as fascinated with the trips you lay down in the two six ring as you are in the three, six ring. So having a little bit of a retrograde and still very happy there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So you've traveled all around the world and you've met like (laughs) ridiculously legendary horsemen. What are some of your favorite memories of your travels or a good story that didn't make the book? So everywhere I've gone as a reporter, I've finished my work, whether I'm in West Africa covering terrorism or uh, in Haiti after the earthquake. And I find it soothing, especially after these hard stories, to find the horses. And that's what the book is really about, because in finding those horses, I found fellow horse crazies. I found the Indian cavalry officer riding a rare Mawari horse through a, a marble quarry in Rajasthan. I found the socialite who's obsessed with those rare horses, the British socialite, and smuggles their semen to America to have a secret herd in Martha's Vineyard. I'd say a story that didn't make the book was probably in Senegal, where they have a tremendous number of street horses that uh, do a lot of construction work. So when they are carrying cinder blocks and beams through the streets of Senegal, it's actually easiest to have it on a horse because they can navigate uh, unpaved roads. And you would think a street horse would be a destitute, ribby thing, but they're chunky. All those street horses are kept impeccably, and they sleep in corrals of parked cars, and they eat millet, and they eat before their owners do, because they're really important, and they're treated uh, as important parts of society. And so talking uh, with the street horse owners was really uh, eye-opening, kind of exploded my expectations about a working horse and the people who care for them. Wow. 
So, Sarah, I know every chapter of the book is named after a horse you knew and loved and had a relationship with. Can you tell us just more about what horses mean to you today now that you've gone through this experience of, of putting down those memories in that passion on paper? Sure. The intro to my book says, um, to so it's dedicated to my horses, but then it says, uh, you know, to Amigo, Willow, Trendy, Bravo, Stellar, my horses and every single horse I've ever set eyes on <laughs> because I have a relationship with any horse I've ever met, as I'm sure you all do. It is special to have your own, but the gift of horses is that they have, their beauty is accessible to everyone. You know, there's 7 million horses in America right now, but there are 50 million people who love them. So my relationship is with sort of horses, the species. And they've helped me a lot. One of the episodes I describe in my book is I was attacked by a burglar in my own home in the West Village who came through my window and stabbed me. And oh my I gosh. Survived. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, on Thanksgiving Day, 2010. And I actually interviewed Monty Roberts, the horse whisperer for the book. And he spoke to me about the language horses use with each other. He calls it equus. And he said, the soul point of Equus is find a safe place to be. And when your world gets ruptured, like mine did with this attack, the world is not a safe place to be. And horses really helped me understand how to go about the world, maybe being a prey creature, but still striding through it with force and power. Because they do that, right? They're the ultimate prey creature. And yet here they are bold and brave for us. So they've healed me and saved me in a lot of ways. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. Well, Sarah, tell us, where can we find your book when it publishes on August 4th? So it comes out August 4th, as you said, and we can just keep repeating that to the, re the listeners, <laughs> August 4th, August 4th. <laughs> but you can pre-order it now. Everywhere books are sold. I really like a website called IndieBound.com because it lets you buy from your local retailer. And it's important to support local businesses as well especially in this moment with the pandemic. So I love purchasing books through there, but you can find it anywhere. And if you're in New Jersey, I'm going to be at Princeton show jumping, signing books around that time. And I actually get this. There's going to be a horse crazy jump at Princeton show jumping. Oh, that's which amazing. Is every, horse girl's, <laughs> every horse girl's dream to have, you know, all these pros and Olympians jumping over your jump. No, <laughs> that is I never knew I had. <laughs> Thanks. Well, so we'll for sure share the indie link in our show notes. So keep an eye out for that. But Sarah, it's been wonderful Thanks. to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining oh, thank us. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're like one of the first people who's ever read the book. So it's really meaningful to me that you liked it. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> oh happy to hear really that. I appreciate it. <laughs> great. Keep up the great work. I'm an avid listener. <laughs> oh, thank you. Are you stressed out? relax with our Calm the F Down stress kits. Each one of the kits comes with a wine-shaped stress ball, an eye mask, and a cruelty-free soap from Soaps for Dirty Equestrians. They also have flashcards to, to help you keep it together. Get one for yourself or give one to one of your favorite people as a gift. They're available at Heels Down Shop. You can go to shop.heelsdownmag.com. So guys, kind of like an interesting thing that I've 
just kind of figured out. I'm not sure how, like, I kind of missed this, but we talk about flair and how much we love the flare strips and stuff. But did you know that, like, tightening your horse's girth too much can affect the horse's performance? Not because of the constricting the chest and preventing the lungs from expanding, because it decreases the effectiveness of the muscles around the front of the chest and the shoulder that move the forelegs. I didn't know any of this. I didn't know that either. I mean, that makes me rethink how I girth completely. Like, what? what's your girthing routine, like, when you're on the cross ties tacking up? So we just kind of do it. So, well, so for us, it's a little bit different because our horses sometimes sit a while. So we don't really do up the girth. And so a lot of times like Doug gets on and there's like, you could put literally like two hands, like 12 inches between the girth and the saddle, like by the time he gets on. So we're like, Doug, you can't go cross country. Like you can see air, plenty of air. So, cause our horses <laughs> sit on the cross ties, we don't tighten them very much. And so then I'm really bad. Like I'll go and as soon as I get them off the cross ties, I'll make sure I tighten them. And like, I'm kind of anal like that. Whereas Doug just pulls them off the cross ties and gets straight on them and never checks his girth. So, I mean, maybe that's something to it. Maybe he just didn't need to check his girth and he's going to listen to this and say, see, I don't need my girth tight ever again because <laughs> he thinks he has, he's fine. He says the only reason you need a girth is to get on and then you're fine. I don't believe that, but that's what he always jokes and says. So for us, it's a little different. We don't tighten them till we get on, and then we just make sure they're somewhat tight. Sometimes you, I want to go too tight. Well, I'm probably a bad person to ask about this because I've been a horrible girth person since I was a child. I remember I distinctly as a short stirrup rider, my trainer telling me, okay, you're going to practice, you know, getting on or whatever because I was really short and the mounting block didn't work or whatever and I was literally underneath the horse just whoop slid right underneath my little Connemara pony oh like a cartoon (laughs) and then when I was like okay yeah it's funny because it happens when you were a kid yeah but then I did it in college uh (gasps) with an IHSA horse like I was doing a reining spin and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, this is not good. I'm I'm falling. I'm falling. Wow. So I had to stop. And my trainer, of course, thought it was hilarious, which I is not funny. But so I always check it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And then I get on. And then I'm like, you know, going around. And all of a sudden, I'm like, maybe it's really not tight enough. So my horses have lots of movement, apparently. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. so do I. <laughs> So, yeah. so you're not constricting their breathing at all is what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, you know, constricting probably my lifespan because I'm an idiot. So. Oh my gosh. So I did that once and I think I've actually told it on the podcast before. It was my first time showing my horse at an A show ever. I was like in, I think middle, I think it was high school. Like it was a freshman or something. And I was doing the jumpers at my first rated show and I did not tighten the girth all the way. And I'm I'm in my first class of the day. And it had rained the morning of. So the ring was real sloppy. And I'm on I'm going to like fence three and my saddle is just slipping and slipping and slipping and slipping and slipping. And then I fell and I had to show the rest of the day. My trainer wouldn't let me change. She's like, You're wearing <laughs> you're wearing like the slop on the half of your body for the rest of your day from like my helmet down. I was covered in the white clay of the arena and she made me 
show like that. And she's like, you're going to be embarrassed all day, but you'll never forget to tighten your girth again. She made you shame show. Well, she was just like, you know, you gotta, you gotta finish now. What are you going to do? You know, Um, but it was my my first class and oh, I was horrified, but yeah, I've never done that again. But in more serious conversation, my thoroughbred is, you know, he's ulcer prone. He's very, very girthy. So it's always been something I have experimented with where I've, I've bought different types of girths to see what he's more most comfortable in. I'll, I'll, you know, cinch up very slowly. I will kind of what you said, Jess, like I'll, I'll leave him on the cross ties and like, not, you know, not do the girth up at all until I'm on, but no matter what, he's always a little bit girthy, but it's sort of, but I'm the type person that like, I've always wanted a you know, a really tight girth. That's just how I am. I think maybe yeah. I'm writing, fat ponies all like all childhood. I just have been taught to like, however tight you can make it, you know, but now that that was fine. Now I feel bad. Now as like a 30 something year old person, I think about like wearing my own belt too tight and what it like, how terrible that would be for my muffin top, you know, 30 year old lady <laughs> pooch. Like I wouldn't want that. So, <laughs> so maybe I'll be kinder. With yeah. Maybe now. I'll go a little looser next time. Yeah. Don't go as loose as me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so this segment is brought to you by Flare. If you want to learn more about your horse's respiratory system, you should go to flarestrips.com. That's F-L-A-I-R strips.com. All right, guys, it's time for Rose and Thorn. Who wants to go first? I need a minute. I have yeah. a thing. Justine, do you have yours? I do. I can go. Okay. So I'm really excited about my rose and this is a shout out to Sam who's in our Facebook group and she, she, and I uh, uh, like, I believe it's her daughter. They both come to all of our zooms all the time. They're like big on being a part of the heels down fam. And I love that. But my shout out to Sam is really for her goat Gilbert who uh, ever since she told us, I think I might butcher this cause I'm, re- I'm relying on my memory, but she told us during one of our, uh, really fun weekly zooms about this goat Gilbert that they got that I believe is a rescue. And I remember her saying like how they put it in their car and, and, and drove them all the way home to their farm. Well, ever since she told that story, I've just been obsessed with their goat Gilbert and she will just Facebook message me like at random, no prompts at all, just to send me pictures of her sweet goat to brighten my day and and it really works it brightens my day i love her goat so she just posted a video this morning in our facebook group um of gilbert gallivanting through their pasture but she had sent I it saw to me. That. <laughs> she sent it she sent me a message this morning just like very sweet like here's a video of gilbert the goat to, <laughs> um to brighten your day and every time she does that she Sam, you really brighten my day. I love it. So please keep, keep sending Gilbert updates. I'm just, I love him. And I keep, I keep showing my husband because I'm like, we should get a goat. <laughs> so that's my rose. And my thorn is that in, during the pandemic, I've started running and it's the worst. I hate running. I used to be really good at it back when I was young and not, not really good at it. It's not like I've ever been a marathon runner, but I used to run consistently and I'm like, this is a good time to get back into this, but not really when the heat index is like 110 and it's summer in Florida and it's miserable and I'm miserable during the day working all day. I hate running, but I'm making myself do it. And that is my thorn. 
do your chickens chase you? No. <laughs> so <laughs> then why are you running? Oh my gosh. So I start I started with my greyhound and it's not like I run very far, you know. I'm like doing a mile, a mile and a half maybe just to get like started and doing it every day again. And my greyhound was great in the beginning, you know, like she was just happy to trot along with me and then like a couple of weeks into it, she was like, "Wait, like you're do- we're doing this again like every like, day. Is this happening?" So she, now she, like, at first she would get half, like, she was good for a while, and then she started stopping halfway through and, like, would just stop in the middle of the road and go, no farther, lady. And now <laughs> she won't even, she won't even go, like, I'll bring her out of the house and we walk down to the street and she's like, no, I'm not doing this. She just, like, sits down in the middle of the street. So she's abandoned me in my, in running. She's like, nah, not for me. Put me back inside. Yeah, no, I rely a lot on adrenaline. So if there's ever a situation where I need to run away from something, I'm (laughs) banking on that adrenaline to give me the will and the strength. That's amazing. (laughs) All right. So do do you have your rose and thorn, Ellie? (laughs) I I have mine, if not. Okay, have Jesco. Have Jesco. I got to think. Okay. So I'll go with my thorn first. So... My truck had been like having these kind of like weird alignment situations, like, and it wasn't bad, but they like could never figure it out type thing. So they finally figured it out. So that was annoying because it costs a lot of money and all this. But like then I go to pick up my truck from the shop and I'd sat there because we had been at a horse show we went to try on for two weeks and it got done in the middle of that. And so I go pick up my truck and the batteries are dead, like killed, done. My truck won't even like, the light won't come on. Nothing is dead, dead. So I had to leave it in the shop again another day. So I finally got it back, but it's just, hopefully it's now all done, but it's like one of those like pains. Like it was like, all right, here's the knife in your back that cost you a lot of money because the front end, and now your batteries are dead too. Both of them. What? Wow. So, yeah. They both were cooked apparently. So that's annoying. So that would be my thorn for hopefully the month and then my rose is a couple weeks ago we were showing here in Aiken and I still am like so proud of him that he's still going to be my rose Van Diver jumped in a welcome class against all the show jumpers and it was the 135 and it was a tough tough track and he jumped like 10th in the order and we've been really working on like Doug not going super fast in the jump off because Quinn gets a little flat and we'll have a rail. So I was like, look, like we need to just work on 135 is big. I mean, it's bigger than what he has or has to really jump in eventing. So we've been working on, look, he looked beautiful the first round. Don't go super fast. Just kind of make quicker turns and everything. And he picks up the fastest round. Well, there was only 10 in it. And I'm like, okay, well, there's no way that's going to hold up on time. Like Quincy's going to go. He's way faster. Like all these things are going to go. They're all way faster. But he, his time held up. We had to tack him back up and he won the welcome out of like 30 horses. That's That's amazing. I know. Yeah. So we're like the old man still has him is beating a lot of big jumpers. So that is definitely my rose for a while because we still are like, I mean, he's an incredible horse, but he's not, he's not a show jumper and he's not a speed show jumper. So to, to win that, um, I went and got in the picture. I was like, this is, um, taking credit this is it so i loved the old man and he was really good and jumped excellent so can't complain 
So that that's my rose probably for like six months. It's <laughs> a good one. It's a good one. That was a really good one. Cause like he to beat Quincy and a lot of other really fast show jumpers, it was really funny in the warm-up. You know, he was like 10th in out of like 30, 35 horses. One of the other show jumpers was like, Man, that's not even your fast show jumper. Like, you gotta slow down. I have kids with ponies I have to pay for. Like he has three little girls. <laughs> it's like oh these goodness. ponies are expensive. You need to slow down, buddy. Your kids aren't old enough yet. That's funny. <laughs> he was he was playing, but it was really funny. <laughs> so Ellie, did you come up with yours? All right, I'm ready. Well, I had to come up with I had to figure out what my rose was gonna be because it's it's been a week, let me tell you. So, okay. My thorn, or the biggest thorn, I guess I should say, is that my Buck Brandeman clinic in September got canceled. Aww, that really sucks. And, like, I understand, and as someone with an autoimmune disease, I'm all for it. And, you know, it's important to keep everybody safe. And they're gonna, it's not canceled, they're gonna reschedule it, so I'm, I'm crossing my fingers for that but it's just really sad because i've been dreaming about that since i was like 10 years old so that kind of sucks but uh i might still take the time off of work so i think i'm just still gonna say that's my vacation <laughs> i'll have a book <laughs> brandman clinic in my head while i sit on the couch so my my rose though it's just super exciting so i don't know if i've ever talked about this on the podcast but my favorite animal is a bear I love bears. I have bear tattoos. I don't know why I like bears, but I really like bears. And we have bears in the area. And Matt has seen them. Our neighbors have seen them. And they're like, oh, you know, you're around long enough. You'll see them. But I've never seen them in person. But then I was driving home from work. And I'm driving up my road. And there's like pile of trash on the left side of the road. And there's this big black thing. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And then I was like, no. oh, my gosh. Oh, my what? gosh. I was like, it's a bear. And so I'm, like, freaking out. So I, like, park my truck in the middle of the road. And I'm, like, trying to get my phone out to take a picture. I'm like, it's a bear. And this guy, like, just, like, nonchalantly walks across the road. And then just, like, sticks his head up in the hedgerow on the side and just, like, watches me. I'm like, hi, Mr. Bear. And then I'm, like, speeding home to try to go get Matt from home to show him the bear. And then when I came back, the bear wasn't there. And he was like, I'm just really happy that you didn't try to, like, put a rope around its neck and bring it home. And I'm like, well, wow. Matt, I like bear, but I'm not dumb. <laughs> like, so I think Matt was really thankful that I didn't add a bear to the collection of crazy things. So. To your circus. Yes. Your farm. Still haven't gotten the sheep yet. So I'm still I'm still holding out on that. Matt says we need to wait oh, another week and then discuss it further, which is his nice way of saying I don't want to tell you no because you don't accept no. So I'm going to push it off <laughs> on, again. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. My poor Matt. So guys, we have a mailbag this week from Grace in our Facebook group. So Grace is having to leave her horse at home for her first semester of college, which is like 12 hours away from where she's keeping him. And he's an older eventer and she's, she admits she's very manic about his care, which I can totally understand as a crazy person. But she, she's worried that things that she notices will go unnoticed by other people. 
And she wants to know what suggestions we have for keeping things by a stall and readily available for those that are taking care of him. So like, you know, hoof picks, turnout gear. What do you guys think? So I guess my biggest question would be, is he staying in the same barn that you've had him at? Is somebody riding him? Kind of things like that. Those would be my bigger kind of questions. But as for essentials, yeah, I would maybe like get a little box or whatever and just be like, here's his fly spray. Here's his hoof pick. Here's, you know, the 10 things that you really want him to be done. Like if you want his feet picked, yes, a hoof pick. If you want fly spray, a fly spray. And then I would make sure they have all of this kind of turnout blankets, whatever else, stable blankets that you have, like they're, you know, get some sort of like box. And so it's not kind of all over the place and say, look, this is it. This is what I want. And I think once they kind of get in the routine of like dealing with them and stuff, as long as it's somewhere where you feel comfortable, it takes good care. I think they'll be fine. I know it's really hard to leave, especially like when you're going to school and everything else and you're so far away, you can't go pop in and check on him. But if it's a place that you trust and they take good care and they feed them and do all that, like, I think you just try to make your best of when you're able to go back and visit them, do that. But I would, yeah, suggest getting a box and putting out the essential things just right out of stall and kind of having that. Yeah, I agree with you, Jess. I mean, it's always hard to be away and it, you know, I'm, I'm one of those micromanaging full care boarders too, that like needs to know everything and want to be involved so it would, it would be hard for me to, especially if I have an older horse, like I think back when I had my Hanoverian mare, who was a little bit older, I, I was very particular about her care, but I made sure I was entrusting the right people to help me with her yeah. care, right? So Grace, I imagine you've already done that, right? You found it's people you know, or it's new people that you've already vetted that you feel confident will be able to pull him in from the pasture and know if something's off, right? Like know if he needs more care than normal. Um, and I'm the type of person that, yeah, I would leave a box full of stuff. Like here's all his stuff, everything you could ever need for him while I'm gone. And if you're really worried, I hope you're with, you're working with people who are going to send you regular updates, right? Like, Hey, yeah. you could text them or call them and go, can you give me an update? How's he doing? Send me a picture so you can see how he's doing. But you kind of, you almost got to like trust the process if you're going to, if you know, you're going to be away and maybe your parents are closer that they can stop by and see him while you're busy at school. And if you haven't found a rider, I, you know, I would consider a lease cause that's just one more person who's going to come to the barn and keep an eye on him too. So what do you think, Ellie? The only thing that, I mean, you guys didn't specifically say was um, if, if he's, like my horse and he, you know, gets into scuffles with people he goes out with, maybe just have like some, um, you know, tri care or some, um, aloe shield, you know, for like simple wounds, um, in that box, you know, just so it's easy to grab. Like if they see, you know, he's got a little scrape or something coming in, they can just throw some of that on it. Um, you know, and they don't have to think about it again. But I, I get your pain. I mean, I at one point had a blanket chart on my stall down to the degree. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it was color-coded. And I explained the, the each blanket's different color and what that meant. So don't do that because you'll drive people crazy. But, yeah, I think they you guys all hit the head 
nail on the head. You didn't hit the head. Don't hit heads. <laughs> but I think that asking for, you know, little updates and stuff, that'll help you. And maybe they'll send you some surprise ones right before exams. And that'll be nice. <laughs> But if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on the show, you can always send us an email by going to hello at heelsdownmedia.com or you can join our Facebook group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. And if you want to hear more from us at Heels Down Mag, please subscribe to the Heels Down Brief, our daily morning e-blast. And you can do that by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. And we want to say thank you to all of our partners this week. That's Flare Strips, Smart Pack, and EIS. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.